0: Oh, another double dose of goodness. First, we are joined by former Bass Nation National Champion, Maddie Wong, who just fished his way back on to the Bassmaster Elite Series. And as if that's not enough, also joined by Bassmaster Opens EQ angler, Logan Parks, with a very special announcement at the end of all of this. But first, Maddie Wong joins me from Hawaii this week on...
1: i'm bob cobb for the Bassmaster. welcome
0: to mercer so we are going to do this again it is wednesday welcome one welcome all friends family freeloaders fishing freaks you're all welcome here at the awkwardly honest fishing podcast that goes by my last name which is mercer i hope you are all having a great week and um Things are good in your world. If not, hopefully, this gives you a little distraction from that. And um, we appreciate you tuning in each and every week. Great show this week. Multiple guests. Um, We're going to be joined by Logan Parks with a very special announcement at the end um, with an event he's working on. Uh, We're going to be joined by Matty Wong, who just did something incredible. Literally fished himself back onto the Bassmaster Elite Series. I mean, he was mathematically... This close to being mathematically eliminated from the Bassmaster Elite Series and having to go back and re-qualify, but had a tremendous tail end to the season, and um, he really opens up about a whole bunch of stuff in today's show, so that's going to be fun, and as I said, we're going to be joined by Logan Parks at the end of this show, um, where he's going to talk about something that that is going to be fun, and that that is the word of the week, fun. It starts with an F, but it is very different than another word that starts with an F that seems to get thrown around a lot lately. I want to talk about something, and we've talked about it on this show. We have talked about forward-facing sonar a lot. Some people love it. Some people hate it. It is such a divisive topic, but I want to talk about just that because I am seeing people argue online And they are so certain, they are so set in their ways that that this is going to ruin the sport. This is the worst thing ever. And then I have other people who are saying this is the best thing ever. This allows us to learn more about fish. We've learned more about fish since this has been invented that that maybe we did for the previous 10, 15 years. I mean, things that we thought was fact has been proven wrong by forward-facing sonar. So those are kind of your two sides of the argument. I'm not falling on either side. But here's the side that I'm falling on. If somebody, if you love forward-facing sonar and somebody hates it, they're not your enemy. If you hate it and think it is the worst thing for the sport and somebody loves it, they are not your enemy. Because there is real enemies to all of us anglers. And there are people who don't want us to fish. So remember, when you are out there firing shots at people. That's not your enemy. I mean, we're all, we all love this sport. We do it. I mean, people do it in different ways. People, you know, there's people that love to fly fish. I don't sit there and trash talk fly anglers. I mean, it's its no different than in the hunting world, a, a gun hunter trashing a bow hunter. I mean, I know there's always jokes in communities, but the way this has gotten so aggressive, and so um, destructive, uh, and it it's, it sucks. It sucks. Remember why we all got into this, why we all fell in love with this sport. I mean, it happened for all of us at different times. Some of us were kids, some of us were later in life, some of us all over the board. But, you know, it happened with all different kinds of fish. It happened in all different parts of the country, the world, and all different types of water, some in the ocean, some in the river, some in lakes, some in creeks, some in streams, some in ponds. It happened everywhere. But those are the people I relate with because they get it if you ask me. They, they decided this is something that I need to have part of my life. I mean, I don't think that me fishing is even a choice. I mean, I, I believe it's honestly something I need in my life. Without it, just ask my family. I get real grumpy when I haven't fished for a while. So I'm not choosing a side. I'm not pushing a side. And, and, and the weird thing about forward-facing sonar is, is, is as soon as you say it, somebody wants to inject you into a side. I've seen things like Swindle's poll a couple of weeks ago. Shame on you. The people that read into different things like, oh, he doesn't want it because of this. His direct question was simply, Do you wanna watch it? That's all he asked. And people gave their opinion. A lot of people gave their opinion. But some people took that and said, this means this. A bunch of other pros have been singled out for different things they've brought out. Guys, because someone uses forward-facing sonar, because someone chooses not to use it, they are not the enemy. Remember that. Because while you're distracted arguing with fellow anglers, There's a group that is trying to take the sport away from us. And that's no joke. There's literally people working every day to take the sport away from us, to take opportunities away from us, to shut down areas that are close to the people. That's what frustrates me. And I'm sorry that this was a little bit of a rant. But I'm just saying your fellow angler is not the enemy. You may not like it. You may love it. But the person you're arguing with over forward-facing sonar is not the enemy. So let's unite and be a little bit more positive. And um, yeah, and that's all I got for you. So somebody's going to get mad at this probably, but literally what my message is, for those of you that didn't listen to the rant, Another angler is not your enemy. That's all. That's all. So let's get a little bit more positive. And there is probably no guest. I mean, there's a few positive dudes in the fishing world. But this dude um, is one of the most positive guys. I mean, I literally, I think this dude is so good for the Elite Series. I literally ran up and gave him a hug the first day he fished before we ever introduced, hugged him and said, dude, I'm so glad you are here. Because he brings so much and such a different outlook on things. And um, what he did the last month or so is amazing. Basically mathematically eliminated from the Elite Series. But guess what? The numbers didn't add up right because he hammered them and he got himself back on the Bassmaster Elite Series. So let's Let's find him right now. Let's travel all the way to Hawaii. Yeah, Maddie Wong. We travel all the way to Hawaii to have a boost of positivity here from one of the most positive individuals
2: I know on earth. <laughs> Maddie Wong, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm really good. It feels so nice to be back home you're the birds chirping outside you're my chickens let me know by any chance like if they if they start getting a little too loud I'll I'll, I'll close the window but it's just nice to have the the fresh mountain breeze and and, and everything kind of like a nice little reset so it's it's been a, a a great soul recharging experience being home being able to see my family being able to spend time in the ocean and a lot of my old friends so it's It's been really nice, man. So, good morning. Good morning. Good evening. Um, (laughs) Good evening.
0: (laughs) It's uh, it's a lot different trip than it could have been for you, though. Like, really, if you look at and and, dude, I've talked about it a lot, and I don't think you can get. Here's the thing about pro fishing: you're number one. You're never not under pressure. Like Mm that for the rest. You, if you're gonna be a pro angler, you're under pressure now. We had anglers going into that event that were under the pressure to try and win Angler of the Year, Rookie of the Year, try to qualify for the Classic. They're all pressure, but I think that the biggest amount of pressure is the pressure that you face, dude. Like, the the Angler of the Year pressure seems bigger. I'd say it's more rare because you just only have so many shots in your career where that's a thing. Mm -hmm. But, dude, like, you literally were fishing for your career. (laughs) You literally, like, you were – and I – I'll explain to a lot of the bass folks there. I'm like, could you imagine like if I had three events left and they said, Hey, if you screw up any name, if you screw up one intro, you might not have this job next year, but that's literally the situation you were in. You had three events left to go and you needed to have, I mean, you were all but mathematically eliminated from the elite series. Mm -hmm. Is that, and I don't mean that as an insult. I just want people to realize yeah. The hurdle that you had ahead of you heading into the final three events of your Elite Series career, potentially. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What did that feel like? At that, like how I mean it's easy now to go back and be like, I had to let
2: it go and I had to, but I mean there had yeah, yeah. to be
0: some of this, oh, oh, like what the hell?
2: <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, there's obviously you, you go through all the different uh ranges of emotion, right? So you Man. first you the self-pity right and you're like oh man I wish I did be-. and then then you have like dang do I, I suck <laughs> you know and then you like go through like all these things in your head like man I wish I would have done this earlier I wish it and then you have like the 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 Monday quarterback right and then and then it, it and then it came into like the depression part where it's like man like people were like dude I'd love to see you next year again you know because like now I'm so grateful that I have this incredible support group of, of, of incredible fans and, and everyone's like man I want to see you keep competing I'm like I want to keep competing too yeah. but like I just these guys are really good and I don't know what I'm doing wrong like I mean and, and so I went through all these different things to the point where I was like all right well did kind of did the math I'm not really good at it like when, when it comes to all the points I mean there's so many factors that, that play into it but I, I was able to narrow it down to I had to check I had to at least check the last three, minimum, check the last three, and then even top 30, the last two. So like, that was like the way that I'd worked it out in my head where I'm like, okay, this is my goal. This is like, okay, I have to minimal check. And then I have to at least try to get up in like the top 30s range. And it was before we had, we headed North, I put time on st Clair, i went up with um johnny and we we went up and we pre-fished for a week put in time there i've never been there so put in time jonathan
0: kelly is in johnny
2: john kelly okay (laughs) so uh was there with pebs we went for a week um and then we went and spent a week on the saint lawrence as well um and we were going to go up to champlain but champlain had like this crazy thunderstorm roll through and it just wasn't going to be good for the amount of time we had to fish one up but I've been putting, so last year, what I did is any type of time that I had off, I was missing my family and my friends so much that I was just like, I'm just going, coming back. So I would just fly back to California. I didn't even, I think I went back to Hawaii once and, um, and I was, I just needed, like, I needed the recharge, you know? And so last, this, this year I told myself, you know what, this could potentially be my last year. I'm going to put all like i don't ever i don't however this year shakes out i don't want to live with regret and like i don't want to live with that that feeling of i didn't try hard enough so i'm like okay i'm gonna sacrifice coming home seeing you know the people that i love i'm just going to stay out on the road the entire time and i'm going to put in as much pre-practice as i possibly could and um and so when when the 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 end of the season started to near, I started to get this like pit in my stomach where I'm like, man, like I'm putting in all this work. I'm freaking bleeding. I'm like, I'm trying to sleep well. I'm like dehydrated. I just, all these things. I'm like, like, ah, why am I not fishing? Well, you know, and you like we had said before the start of the show, it's like, sometimes when you, when you try to put in too much work and too much effort into something and you care so much about it, you slip because of whatever preconceived crap you put in your head versus being able to just let go. And, um, and then it got to the point where it started no longer being fun. And that's actually was like a huge kind of turning point for me mentally. I'm like, you know what, this isn't fun anymore. Like I'm, I was working so hard. I was like, not like not eating good, not sleeping well. Trying to put like I I I get an eye twitch and it was like all these things I'm like this isn't good for me mentally like <laughs> health wise like this is like I don't know if this is like the 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 direction I want to be going right now and I was like you know if everything just disappeared right now and I just go back to Hawaii I'd be fine with it and there was a couple times like that lot this this year, earlier this year, where I was just out on the road, grinding, sleeping in Airbnbs, air mattresses, couches, whatever. And I'm like, this sucks, <laughs> you know, like, and it sucked, man. And, and I remembered what Brandon Paul told me, and he's been more than like a really great friend. He's been like an awesome mentor to me and someone who I was like a super fan of before, before we even knew each other. And not, now to call him like a good friend of mine is like such a cool feeling. And and, uh, you know, he told me something at the beginning um, of my first of my rookie year. And he says, just just make sure that it's you have fun and make sure that like you don't lose track of that, because as soon as you stop having fun, that's when it becomes work. And I've reached that before. And I was like, how could you how could you feel that you're a professional fisherman? Like in this, I was still in this kind of like ignorant bubble of not knowing what actually went on on tour or what it took to, to to do the tour and i'm like that would never happen to me that's crazy i love fishing like i literally like live live like live it breathe it eat it every day every day and then it happened and it was this like crazy like aha moment or i'm like dang dude like this the dream can really be like a just like a normal nine to five job and yeah you have certain perks of it and for me my perks and like the things that i was looking forward to were like the fans like meeting meeting kids that were fans being able to talk with you on stage being able to like do the media stuff like that's that was the fun part for me but then the actual fishing part became more and more like a job like on day one of practice if i wasn't finding the right pattern that i wanted to 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 fish or if i wasn't like being able to make the right adjustments i was starting to get really bummed i'm like this sucks (laughs) you know like as a positive person, I was like having a lot of negative thoughts, and is, is to... that harder when
0: you're a positive person? Do you
2: think you know because? Well, yeah, because you have everyone's Outly. like you like you're from... <laughs> everyone's Go like ahead, you're sir. the positive guy on tour. You know, you're I'm like I'm also human, yeah, right. <laughs> and so every every human, regardless of whatever the media may betray or whatever, like I mean. Mo- my one of my best friends who who committed suicide a few years back was like literally the most outwardly positive person always had a biggest smile on his face, always had a ukulele in his hands, playing songs, singing. Everyone that knew Jesse was like, wow, he's the most positive person. But I knew the demons that he was fighting. Right. And everyone has something that's going on in their life yeah. that you, that you don't know. And, and so that's why I always try to to preach like positive mindset and a law in your heart. Because just having compassion for someone on a day to day, whether it's letting someone in on traffic or like letting, you know, just even a wave can change someone's just outlook on the day, because sometimes people are literally living day to day. And I'm grateful that I don't, I don't struggle with depression, or I don't struggle with these, you know, with these really tough demons that like some of my friends have struggled with in the past and, but at the same time, I'm human. And you do have those, those thoughts of negativity, you do have those self thought thoughts, you still have a lot of those things that you have to combat. And for me, I always try to, okay, I gotta breathe. I gotta, I go back to like my free diving days, I go back to, you know, my days of competition in surfing and in free diving and, and performing where before like taking a stage for, in front of thousands of people, it's okay. <sighs> Take a breath. Yeah. So why, why are you feeling this? What can you do about it? Can't do nothing. Okay. Let's change it. It's mindset is something that we can all manipulate internally because we can be having the most crappiest day, but all it takes is like, Making an inside joke with yourself, or to do, or to find something funny and trigger a laugh, and just by audibly laughing, will can can change your your whole demeanor. And so I I I, I told myself, you know what? It I need to start. I got to start making this fun again. So on the on practices that I knew it wasn't going to be a glide bait bite, I just went out half the day just trying to go get a glide fish. I'm like, I'm gonna go have fun. I want to go. I want to go get. <laughs> I want to go get bit on a glide right now. And while I knew I was supposed to be like looking for other other things, I'm like, I just I need to make this fun for me. And then sure enough, with that in that process, I'm like, oh maybe you know what? Maybe I should throw like a rip bait right by this tree and then stick one. I'm like, oh, bing. So it, was, it, it it's kind of like the universe throwing you back a bone after you had made this adjustment mentally, where you're like i suck this fishing sucks this fit this lake sucks and then to go from like ah, i just want to go have fun like i want to bring it back to like the root, the root of it all for me which is fun not on un- the unknown right not like looking down at my electronics not like you know looking all this stuff and i'm just like i want to go have fun catch a couple fish and i'm like ah and then like universe throws you like a part of the clue and i'm like okay sweet change my whole mindset and from there it was able to, it, it became easier, but not having that underlying current of, you know what, if you don't do well, these last three tournaments, you're gone. So what are you going to do? So like, I, I, I'm also the type of person being like an entrepreneur. I'm not going to just also sit back and just start moping. Like, okay, well I didn't requalify. What am I going to do? It's like, i am um, been working with my friends in Hollywood. Like I want to create a show. Like I want a fishing show, and and I, it's something that I've always said actually before. I wanted to to compete, like ever since I was a little kid. You know, watching fishing shows in Hawaii, watching Bill Dance, watching Roland Martin, everyone, and I that's always been something that I I've always wanted to do. And so now having this platform, I'm like, okay, let me. I think we can find ways to create a show, and um and now I got to put that on the back burner. <laughs> but it was something that i'm like okay this is what i'll have because i wanted to have a product that i can now take to my sponsors and say yes i didn't re-qualify for the elites but i have something equally or even more appealing to you when it comes to you know new eyes new demographic new you know new audience etc and so with that rolling i was able to still maintain like hope in a way i'm like okay this that would be a new challenge for me in my life. And as much as the elites was a challenge, like this would be a whole new set of challenges that I would have to go through and a whole new set of hurdles that I would have to go through. So that was like, okay, that I'm going to have that. But my divine focus right now is on the elite series and on requalifying. Because I know that if I can requalify and fish a third year, I can grow that much more of a fan base, I can impact that many more people. And I could potentially go and snag myself a blue trophy and maybe re-qualify for the classic next year and win that. So it's that, it was like a, a rejuvenating win in the sales, you know, to when I didn't completely blow it on, on St. Clair, you know, day two, I was able to come back with the bag a little bit better of a bag and manage to make a baby check. Like that was like a, again, another bone from the universe. Like, here you go. Here's some gas money in like your hotel stay. And I'm like, okay, that wasn't a complete fail. And then to go to Champlain and then kind of like bust it open day one and figure it out. Like day one of practice, I had like 20, 21 pounds. Day two I had like another 20 pounds. Day three, I was like, okay, I need to go find new water because I think I'm I'm on it, you know? And so that was, that was like a huge turning point. Cause I'm like, okay, I think I could, I think I could probably top time this one. I might even be able to win it. And I and I started, and because of that experience on the Sabine being so close to a win, now that ceiling's gone. Like I no longer have to bust that glass ceiling. Yeah. Like it's it like mentally, I'm like, oh yeah, I've been there. I could do that. Like these guys put their pants on just like I do in the morning. What's any different? It's your head. It's the mental blocks that we put, right? It's those It's those milestones that until we break through it and actually conquer it, that's when you can actually say like, oh, that's cake. And so being able to do that, I was like, oh yeah, top 10, I can top 10 Champlain. And just day three didn't go as planned, you know, dump some fish. I I would have I, I can confidently say that I would have been in the top 10 if I, if I would have landed the fish that I yeah. have. Um, but that's it, fine. Cause then I still finished up where I needed to um, kind of, <laughs> not really. I was still what 40 something or I, I went, I dropped from like 12th down to like 43rd or something. It was, it was a big drop because I only had, I think like 12 or 13 pounds. And, and I, that just amounted pressure for the St. Lawrence. Man. And on top of that amounted pressure, Bass was like, oh, to make it even for the people that are fishing Monday, the 10 anglers that made the final, we're going to cut everyone's practice to two days. And oh, by the way, there's 30 mile per hour gusts out of the southeast <laughs> on the Great Lakes. So pick your spots wisely because there's a high probability that you probably won't be able to get to your spot on day one. And so that threw an entire different wrench in, a, in another thing. But I felt good of about my my mindset going into it, knowing, okay, these places are going to be protected. This is what I need to kind of do. But after my practices, like day one of practice, I only had 17, maybe 18 pounds. And then day two, I caught two fish in the river. And I'm like, wow. Oh, well, I gave it my all. Let's like i'm like i got some fish out here like i know there's like, i got a five pounder on this one boulder but i don't know what else is going to go down and then to roll out there and sack 25 14 or 25 no 25 10 i think yeah day one yeah 25 10 i was like okay <laughs> let's see if we can do it again and
0: uh yeah when you left the dock on day one of the final event of 2023 so you basically figured you were going to start hosting a fishing show. Like you've been planning this and, and Hey, we're going to go have another, at what point during that day did you, was it that day or was it later on in the tournament where you were like, wait a second, I might not have time for this pesky fishing show. It's funny
2: because I, I didn't really, I I completely blocked that out of my head. Um, I did. I didn't let, I didn't want to give that, too much thought um, because I knew that that would take my focus away from like the job at hand. So as much as it would like want to creep back in, I would silence it as fast as I could and then refocus in on my, on what I was doing right in front of me. Um, I think the most emotional day though uh, was day three. So this was a story that um, I mean, not a lot of people know. So I, it was day two. I came in with, what was it like 1910 or so, something around then like it was it was enough to make me fish day three yeah so I, I checked and i'm like okay i made day three um i get a call from steve bowman and he goes oh yeah i heard this you know he goes hey man like um hey a like, good job uh first of all for making day three um you suck for not being able to join me on live But because we all have this joke because he he likes having me on live with them. And I enjoyed being on live in the mix with both you guys. Um, But then he goes, you have to beat five guys tomorrow to fish next year. So don't let off. I don't mean to pressure you. (laughs) But you need to fish. You need to fish well and and beat five guys tomorrow to requalify. And. I just got like chills thinking about it because I was um, my girlfriend's been traveling with me in the past two events. And it's been really nice to be able to like, at the end of the day, you know, unplug, go home. And she's like, Hey, you want to watch a show? And I'm like, for sure. When I'm traveling with pebs, we're like retying and talking about fishing the whole time. Versus, yeah. Like just, and so I remember getting off the phone with him and uh, looking at my girlfriend and saying like I have to beat five guys tomorrow she's like how do you know that and I'm like well I, I mean he did the math I don't I don't know how many points or whatever she's like well don't think about that we have this this Nat Geo show we're watching and I'm like ah, all right and I went back to rigging you know and and uh and in the morning um Ed Lockrin came up to me and he goes hey dude good job um don't fall down anymore because you you have to move up you have to stay where you're at or move up or else you're not going to re-qualify. Like I don't mean to put pressure on you. And I'm like, "Ed, by you telling me this is putting pressure on yeah, me, 100%. And, what?" A, yeah, I was just like what dumbest move in my head. Like I was just like uh ah. but Ed Ed's a great guy and I don't think and he's just he has his quirks, but I I don't think that it was intentional. I think it was just like like all right, <laughs> like this is what you got to do." And I'm like, "Dude, it's obvious. No crap, I got to do that." But yeah, you know, so it was that was that was another thing like literally right before I was about to get in line. And wow. uh and so I get in line and this is when I had the exact same it was it, it was interesting. So if you guys go back on my YouTube and watch the the blast off on the the national championship in two thousand and one, you actually see me like come to tears. I had a I had a GoPro facing me, which I Now, looking back, I wish I would have done this for that day three, but I didn't know it was going to hit me like this. But as I'm blasting off and you're announcing me, I had this like, like this overwhelming cloak of like, uh, of, it was, I don't want to say it was like negativity, but it was super heavy because it was like, this might be my last elite day. Like this literally might be the last day I ever fish on the elites as a professional bass fisherman for Bassmaster and seeing everyone you know on the docks like good luck maddie go get him maddie and then to hear your voice like ring out on the microphone and then to like hit the kill switch one last time and just like to go through the you know just like anyone like in an office space to go through your daily things your daily yeah. checks as you're going and where it's become there's certain things that just almost become mundane but then to when you're when you're walking away from a job for the last time to be like almost nostalgic when you're doing it you're just like man this is the last time i'm gonna be like doing doing this like and then all these memories start flushing in you know and so it was like memories emotional uh, emotions all this stuff as i'm going out i had to take a really deep breath and i threw my arms out to the side just to kind of like wash it off i think i hit myself in the chest like (laughs) Like, all right, bro. Like, you got this, Alan. And I had my Marshall. He was 16 years old, and um, he's just like this bright-eyed, bushy-tailed grom that was just pumped to be a part of the whole scene. And um, and he's filming I'm like, "Hey, dude, can you film?" And and he's like filming the whole time like this. I asked him like to film like that, and he's just like in the moment filming like this, <laughs> I'm, like filming out, so like not filming me or any of this other stuff. But I'm just like, this is this is classic. <laughs> and uh you know, and then just to go out, and I remember it, like, I, I'm i not a super, like, I have faith, but I'm not a very, very religious person, like, I studied religion in college, I grew up a very, like, very strong, like, a Protestant Christian, um, but then, like, had a lot of, like, different view changes throughout my life, um, but I still have, a, like, I still have this, I do have core values, and, and, and a faith, and so I remember I had, I started praying on the way out, and, you know, I was I I said, you know what, if this is if this is your your plan and I'm going to requalify, then it's this that it is what it is. This is your plan. If it's not and I fall flat on my face today and I don't make it in and I have a bag or like whatever happens, it's going to happen. And I'm like, boom. Amen. I had that cloak instantly just oof, like blasted off as I was going 60, you know, flying. And then like, it just ripped off my shoulders and I was able to breathe really, like really clearly, like very, like just, just easily blasting forward, relaxing. I had a can't like uh and I think I, I was able to just like, Oh, okay. Chill. Go out there, stop on a place. I only had a couple three pounders. First fish was a four stop to my other spot. Catch another four, catch a five. I was gonna go and run to some other water that um, you know, before the cut, Johnny had told me, I'm like, dude, I'm out of fish. You know, day two, I only had 20 pounds or something like that. And I was like, man, I'm out of fish. Like, can you, you know, what's what's going on? He's like, dude, I got a bunch of like three and a half to four pounders here. I'm like, sweet, that's my my plan B, you know. And um we end I ended up getting out there and Johnny goes, like, dude, just fish the day, man. And I remember like that would just kind of keep popping into my head. And so I was, as I was catching like betters, I'm like, maybe they refilled, maybe they're back again. And so I stuck around a little bit longer. My plan was to stay around, stay there. If I had about 20 pounds, um, or about, uh, what was it 19 pounds or something like that? I was going to like go boost over there and leave. And I remember it was noon and I caught a five and I was like, maybe I should stick around a little bit more. And 20 minutes later, I caught another like high four and I'm like, I'm so glad I stayed. So at this point I had 21 pounds and I had like a high three. And I was like, the average bag is about 19 and a half to 20 pounds. Like, I don't think I'm going to move up much with 21 pounds. Like I need to get rid of this high three. And I had about 45 minutes left in the day of fishing when I still had to calculate my run in. And I start blasting back to the spot. I was like, you know what? We're going to go hit the first spot and then we're going to go and check in on this other stuff that Johnny and I found. And as I'm ripping over there, I had something kind of, whether it was Jesse, whether it was my boy, Jesse, looking down on me, or it was just like the same feeling that I got during nationals wrong. Like I should pull in on this tree. Something's telling me to stop. It was a shoal. And uh, I remember I'm like, I just got to stop here. I like shut down. I never fished it, never idled it. No, nothing. I shut down on top of this shoal, pull the trolling motor. The rock looked amazing. I start looking around and within two minutes, I find two bigs. I flip over to f- the first one. It eats. It's a four and a quarter. I get it in the boat and I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like I called that, I called that small three and I'll get it in the boat run back up to my trolling motor click done my trolling motor battery's completely dead come on i've never had this happen the entire season so i start going through all the things like did i blow a fuse i didn't share this with any other podcast dave so this is a this is this is exclusive all my battery's dead like or my trolling motor battery's dead I, I run powerhouse powerhouse lithiums. They're incredible batteries. And I and I was like so I have so much confidence in those batteries where I it wasn't even a thought, you know? And it's like I'm I start looking through everything and I'm like, maybe it's a fuse. It's gotta be a fuse. Da, da, da. I pull up my app and I check my batteries and they're completely dead. So I'm like, oh dude, I'm I'm like screwed screwed. And so I pull my trolling motor, I put my life vests on, I grab my drop shot. I fire up the big motor and I start idling around. Like look back over my shoulder, dump the, like when I see, a, when I see a blip, like dump it back. I actually got bit twice, but I didn't land them. And, um and I, I fished the last half an hour like that. And this kid was like Snapchatting me like, bro, look what my pro's doing right now. Just like <laughs> tripping out. And uh, I didn't catch any fish doing that, but I was like, I'm not going to give up. Like, I'm not going to give up. Even though like, this is what's went down come to find out there's nothing wrong with my batteries. My girlfriend, um, the night before when she was closing, like closing up the house, there was these twinkly lights outside that was plugged in on the same outlet as my boat. And so she just flicked the, the, the light switch off. Oh. So that killed the twinkly lights, but it also killed my boat from charging. And I was like, honey, I hope you realize you almost costed me my career. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like, it's everything happened the way it needed to. I came in, I weighed 22, 14 or whatever it was. It was like, you know, and I had a, like, there was an emotional time on stage with me. Cause I, with you, because I, I didn't know, like, I was honestly, I was like, it's going to be close, man. But like, if this is the last time that I get to share the stage with you, I, I, I wanted it to, it, everything needed to come out so it was like all the emotions uh all just my just all my gut feelings of 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 what i what my experience was as a elite series professional and i wanted to share that with everyone because of this incredible like i said it was an incredible journey an incredible adventure and however it shook out this is what it was meant to be but it, it with all those people there because there was like i don't know if it felt like at least a thousand people it was like it was a pretty good crowd there like, a decent I, crowd yeah I, yeah and i was like you know what like this i i can't hold this back man and uh little nevaeh uh bill owens daughter she's like she came up to me off she's like i i you know and she had her glasses on so i didn't she's like i i promised myself this wasn't going to happen in and i'm like what and she pulls her glasses down and she has a tear running down her face and i was like oh my gosh dear i'm sorry and so i gave her a big hug and um you know it was I guess like a couple other people felt that same emotion in the crowd and uh, you know, came up and gave me a hug after, which I'm always, I'm always down for a hug. And so it was, it was an emotional time, man. Like to think back and to kind of, to, to try to relive that for the story. It was, it was a really intense, emotional time. And then I I, I sat there right next to the trailer, watched the rest of the weigh-ins with Johnny and and my girlfriend. And uh, he was like, all on top of it, like, like, you know, looking at the points, he's like, dude, if Zaldane drops to this, if he like sandbags at all, like he's going to bump you out and you won't make that. And I remember uh, Emily with bass, she's like, Hey, stick around, you know, the top 10. And I'm like, top 10. I didn't even look at bass track at this point. You know, I was just so like, I just, I was so much at peace with however the day was going to run out. I was just like, I'm not going to like check bass track. And so after she told me, hey, Bass Track has you in ninth right now. I'm like, yeah, but there's still like 15 minutes of fishing left. So like one of these guys are going to catch it because that's what happens when you fish the elites. You can't let like five or 10 minutes, 15 minutes. That's a lot of time that someone can go and catch a five pounder. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, well, that doesn't really mean much. But I'm like, in my head, I'm like, well, shoot, I think I moved up because I was sitting in like 19th place or something like that. I'm like, then that means I'm right there. It's going to be so close. And as they all came up, you know, the people that I needed to kind of slip up were slipping, and managed to squeeze into the top ten and 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 to get my second top ten of uh of this year, and and to to have you uh, the get the pleasure to have you yell at me <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, was <laughs> was awesome, man. And so that was oh like as much as I didn't win a national championship, it was the almost the exact same feeling that I got during winning the nationals being able to requalify in front of that crowd and to, and to have the immense amount of support from everyone come at me, like, dude, I'm so stoked that you requalified. Like that was an incredible battle. (sighs) (laughs) And you think that's
0: what I was saying at the very beginning with that's how different this trip home could have been. Like it all of a sudden changed from being like, man, you did us proud. You know, you had your shot to, I mean, just another chapter and stuff you've overcome to get to where you are um it's pretty amazing dude it was a it was an amazing thing to see happen um so I guess how do you stay there? How do you stay wherever you were the last yeah few right? events like I mean two of your best finishes yeah how do you how do you how do you not, you know what I mean? Because it's so, yeah. like, I look at your career on The Elites. I mean, it's so shocking that it's only two years. Like, if you look at, like, how different are you today? <laughs> like, going into season three, how different will you be than what you were like going into season one?
2: Oh, just eons different. Just eons different, man. I I felt like there was such an a massive learning curve that I had to go through, not only on on the water, but mentally off the water, um, that without going through it, I would have never arrived at where I feel like I've arrived at. I've learned so much about this sport, um, in particular, how to, how to fish on the elites in the last six months than I did in the first entire year. Because the first year, I was so, so focused on, like, just going for broke just trying to get a blue trophy and however i thought that was going to be the deal like i wasn't thinking about like okay let's just play it safe let's go get a limit first like i'm like no bro we're gonna swing for it you know like it was it was this it was like a change in 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 my my mindset and then to go into this year this past year to, to really understand now how to play the game a little bit better how to navigate other anglers how to navigate um how to how to expand off spots that you've found. How to turn one bite into a winning area. How to turn like it. How to be able to let go, uh, on key fish that you lose. I think that was like a like that's a. I mean that's always been something that you. I think everyone struggles with as an angler. But then I I I, I tell myself you know, give yourself ten seconds, you know, have your little emotional internal fit, or external if you're Ike, uh, and then like from there, just like let it go because you still caught a, a good fish and that means that they're biting. So get that past you and you can catch another one. And more times than not, I ended up actually catching another one. Like Murray, I dumped a really good one. And literally the next cast, I stuck another, like it was another really good fish that I needed and and not to dwell on the what ifs. And so there's there's a lot that I've learned. I don't know how I'll be able to carry it into my third year um because it's still fishing you know he, I I saw one of my heroes Paulinig like bomb on two of the most incredible fisheries that I've always sought him as to be like oh you're automatic top 10 in both of these spots yeah and so it's it's one of those sports where it's like as much again goes back to our initial topic is as much time and effort that you could put in on practice and all this stuff when it's not your time or things just don't go well it's not going to go well and there's almost, and it's and it's, it's sometimes this is not in the cards and you got to be okay with that so I think going into it with like a, another chance going into it with the the feeling like okay you get another crack at this thing I think I'll be knowing how to seasonally chase these fish and regionally, which I think are two big things that as a West coast angler, and especially someone coming from Hawaii, never had to really make too many adjustments. I mean, California, you make some adjustments, but a lot of those West coast, I was talking with Ty Al, who fishes MLF. He was like, dude, a lot of the stuff that we do on the West coast does not translate to the rest of the, 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 the country. And I'm like, dude, hundred percent. Because I would think like, oh, we can still throw a five pound test necco, and they're going like, to they're going to eat it. And then other times you got like a guy like, you know, sea rigging twenty five pound tests and busting their face. I'm like, wait, what's wait, huh? Like you know. And so there, there's certain things that I'm like, I've had to learn, and I've had to adopt now into my my wheelhouse, and and now knowing regionally what the patterns that hold, how can I still put my little twist on it the way that I like to fish. And then also the electronics game, because I feel like being able to play that game now, since I don't think that's going anywhere. So I'm like, okay, why fight it? Now we're now we're going to go and uh, do the same thing, you
0: know? But that alone, dude, I mean, the electronics thing, like, I mean, I've kind of joked about it, but the boat you qualified on was far from state-of-the-art electronics. <laughs> so literally, you've had to not just learn how, I mean... You remind me so much, and and I hope you take this as a compliment, and I hope he takes this as a compliment, but you remind me so much of Carl Jacobson. It, oh, it, and I, you have from I mean... the moment that you joined tour, um, gosh, you have so much going for you in so many ways. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Your, your ability to talk to crowds, your ability to entertain on camera, and just like Carl, but I feel like yeah. you also both, have had a mountain to climb as far as the the fishing end of things i mean he came yeah. from a country where they didn't have bass or the, or the yeah. same bass we have anyways yeah. and but i mean it's the toughest place in the world to learn but i mean somehow you guys have both i mean carl obviously has really you know in the especially the last you know number of years has really you know solidified himself as part of the elite series not just winning but now couple of classics qualified but am i wrong in that analogy no
2: No, not at all i mean as much as it's funny that you say carl because as much as brandon was someone that i i looked up to for a while carl was right there with him and it's ironic that they're all just (laughs) that it's all just like this this group but um i mean you nailed it on the head man like i i always I, this is this is, this is is a crazy story. I was in New Zealand on a fly fishing trip back in 2008, uh, 2019, I believe. So this is one year after I started competing. I was out there with uh, a friend of mine on Lake Taupo, and he was an Australian.
0: So sorry, you started competing in 2018.
2: Is that what you're yeah, saying? No, my, my first tournament was 2018
0: okay all right just keeping score here for yeah. <laughs> yeah. for those of you keeping up and saying this can't be done i mean li- literally you're living proof that you started fishing term in 2018 right. i digress continue with your story
2: right. You're good. um but i've always been like a multi-species you know angler my whole life you know i've had a fishing rod in my hand when i was still in diapers so as much as i haven't been competing in fishing, I've been competing in other sports. So it's still a mental mental yeah. thing that you need. And that's why I think Brandon's so so successful because of his past with wrestling. Yeah. Um, Carl with being able to grow up fishing for perch in Australia. You know, he he's, he was we were out on the so we were out on the lake, um having a great time. He was teaching me how to double haul. Uh we were doing like streamers up in the river catching these really great um rainbow trout. And he goes, uh, he's like, hey, how's that met Carl doing? Is he still on tour? Like, I just, we just have all these people that are rooting for him and da 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 And I was following, you know, the elites pretty closely. And I was like, yeah, he's killing it, man. Like, he's still on, da 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 Like, and, and then he just goes on to say, he's like, I don't understand. I, I don't see how he can do it. Like, he has, there's so much things that are, you know, working against him. But I give him so much credit for what he's doing and what he's able to accomplish. And so to be able to be in New Zealand, you know, on the other part of the, the world and and to have you know one of his fellow countrymen rooting for him, and for me being just a fan at the time, um, to now being compared with him, you know it's kind of this cool, you know, like this neat circle because I I look up to a Carl tremendously, what he's able to accomplish, um you know with his not only with his career but with you know with his wife and his family and 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 his house that he's you know his 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 just the whole the life that he was able to set up for himself through fishing and through a passion and a dream and then to be able to execute and then he's also been in my situation like i was talking to him he's like yeah man with the ml like what he said the flw when i got kicked he's like i worked all this way max out all my credit cards to get on tour and then be on tour for like one or two years he said and then get kicked off the FLW tour he's like oh my, I've been there <laughs> <And I'm> like, <laughs> like dude like and so it's you know that's 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 uh that's humbling and and I definitely take that in a positive way uh because Carl's an incredible person and an incredible angler um and uh you yeah, know someone that I definitely look up to and, and and see as still as a mentor so you know that's That's cool. It's we have bass in Hawaii, but man, (laughs) when you're fishing for a smallmouth bass in like a a stream that's six inches deep, that's only like five feet wide, it's a it's a kind of a different game than to go out and fish like Lake Ontario. But so we can't do a podcast without talking about it, and
0: you kind of talked about it a little bit. Um, Oh boy! But from your comments on forward-facing sonar it's not something you want to deal with is it like that that's what the way i read it (laughs) yeah so
2: my first year i i fought it entirely um i had it on my boat because i knew that i needed needed it yeah you know um and i spent a lot of time trying to learn it um but a lot of times that in that first year just trying to learn it i it would I was fighting my original way of going up like just my whole process. It was, it was throwing a wrench into my process on how I would attack certain things. to the point where I wasn't fishing how I wanted to fish, you know, and, and I know I'd mentioned it a few times, like on stage, you know, when I did catch that bag on Chickamauga, I didn't have it on, you know, I just, all I wanted to do was just throw, you know, throw a swim bait on areas that I thought that those fish would be setting up and was able to catch the biggest bag of the tournament. So, like, that that gave me, like, that confidence. It was like, no, you're doing the right thing. But then to go down to Pickwick and get my face smashed in because I was too, like, too busy trying to, like, figure out where they should be versus, like, going and looking and, like, oh, yeah, they're set up on the ledge, and they're set up to feed right now versus they're not set up to feed right now. Just move on, go hit some stumps, and then come back. So it was, you know, I this year – having to make adjustments also learning out of which ones are the best ones. You know, I, I took my, and I'm not signed with any electronics companies and I did this on a, uh, by design because I want to be able to run the best of the best. Um, this isn't a plug for anyone, but this is just my own experience. Um, gotta say all these disclaimers. Right. So I was running an active target one and, um, Stetson Blaylock was running the two telling me, you know, the two plus or whatever. He's like, yeah, it's like, it's night and day difference. i look at him like, yeah, it's actually really good. I'm like, I don't, I don't get that with this, I jump on Pebble's boat and he has a Garmin and to see how clear he was able to, you know, be able to pick out certain things and certain things. And so after running, getting a chance of running both of them, I'm like, dude, so I, I, I was having issues with my active target, just like freezing. And so I, I before after St. Clair, cause I had it die on me five times during every day on St. Clair. I was like, you know what? I'm done. I went and pulled it. I was like, Hey, if I'm going to go out swinging, I'm going to just, it's worth it. So I pulled the trigger, bought a Garmin, slapped it on the boat, literally during a mega bass retreat and learned how to use it, um, within a week, um, dialing it in, like learning how to, trying to learn how to use the interface and certain adjustments. And, um, and then was able to incorporate that into a finesse style that I also enjoy doing back in California. So it was it was interesting because my hand got forced into a place where I'm gonna do a technique that I'm not necessarily confident in, but I knew that this was gonna be the deal. I knew that it was gonna, this was what it was gonna to take to actually finish up where I needed to finish versus to go throw a, a swim bait for large mouth and try to stumble across like a six pounder and um, don't think that I didn't try in practice though like I almost lost a punker to like a giant muskie that blew it out of the sky like five <laughs> feet because I was like maybe they're going to eat a giant walking bait and and I just I tried the things that I wanted to do again to have to keep having fun you know and that was like to keep that thread i was like i need to have fun right now and chasing stuff around with a forward-facing sonar isn't fun to me like i'm i want to go and watch a a giant fish blow up on a top water right now and i literally put everything away and just threw a a mega dog for friggin' an hour and then finally got like completely demolished by a muskie and i'm like okay all right i'm not gonna do that (laughs) got that (laughs) out of my system you know and um Yeah. And then I was like, okay, now I know, like, I know what I need to do to, to, to get there. So I think now with understanding the technology, I think Bass needs to make it, I I don't, before I was more on the Randy side of things, you know, like uncle Randy block it, you know, I think I was more so, it's horrible for the sport it's you know it's killing fish da, 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 you know I, and i think he'll speak to some truths there I, I do think now you're having more fish that are that are being targeted out of deep water with anglers that are irresponsible and are not fizzing fish and making sure that they properly go back um so i, I think that there's truth there do i feel like anyone can take this piece of equipment slap it on their boat and beat all of us on the elites no I think that Koya is an incredible angler with or without it. And he's just, he's even more deadly because he's able to use it. Um, It it takes an angler and it it heightens uh, their knowledge on fish behavior. And I think that's something that I'm like, I really started to tone in on. And during all this controversy, I'm like, yeah, I am. I am the poster boy of no electronics and fishing intuition. But in a game now where bass is funded by huge amounts of ad dollars by these companies, um, kids are now growing up with all this stuff, and that they're now being so addicted to u- utilizing it. It, it. This is just part of the growth of the sport, and now we just need to find ways to make it appealing, not make it not make such a, a dispar- disparity gap between you know, the, the, the wealthy and the, the, the have-nots. And I think that's where the challenge is. Um, because I want to be able to encourage kids to go out, whether they're on a stand-up kayak or a paddleboard, you know, whatever, you know, and just to get out fishing. And I don't want them to look at me and say, well, well, Maddie's using the forward-facing sonar. So I need to have it on my boat. It's like, no, look back at my old videos and see where I came from, because you can do it without anything on your boat. And as long as you're, putting in the time and you're learning how to fish and casting understanding certain places where they should be and then now with 32 years of experience of fishing now i'm able to actually see what the fish are doing how they're setting up and they're actually really similar to how i thought that they were set up and like what my what my theories were on a lot of times and now to actually see it play out in real time i've become more deadly with it so Yes. Do I think that bass should now limit us to one transducer on a four facing sonar Two at tops? Yes. 100%. Do I feel like, like that's without a doubt, if you're going to limit us to not throwing a rigs and limit us to a 250 horsepower motor, then you have to limit the amount of transducers because Guys running 4 forward facing sonar transducers on their boats is completely ridiculous and it's completely unfair. I believe that hundred percent, and you can stamp my name on that. Do I feel like we should take care, get rid of it altogether? No, because you still need to know how to make the adjustments. If you don't know what a bass looks, looks like on that thing, you're going to throw out a catfish and a drum all day. That's just because you don't understand how bass move and how they relate to certain things. Now, is there certain anglers on tour that are way better at deciphering those things? Patrick Walters, Cody Huff, Kyoya, Taku, like just to name a couple. Yes, without a doubt. But are you still going to have guys that are ridiculously good at sight fishing, like Cox and like Drew Cook and a, like a bunch of other guys that will still beat out a crew of forward-facing sonar dudes scoping around? If he's if they're just bank beating, yes. So you're not going to have this polarizing thing it's still going to win tournaments and bass isn't going to just, it's a double-edged sword. Bass isn't just going to give up hundreds of thousands of dollars versus of, of advertising money for, from hummingbird Garmin and Orance just to appease a small demographic of older anglers that are poo-pooing the new technology. I it's, they need to, they need to get paid because it's a business, but there also needs to be, there needs to be regulation behind it. And If there isn't, that's when I'm like, okay, this is lame. I'm out of here because that's when it really becomes, oh yeah. If you have an extra 50 grand to throw on your boat and that, then you're going to be that much more successful. Like that. That's the thing that I I wish that we were all on the same playing field. I wish we all ran the same boat with the exact same electronic setup and and whatnot. So when, like when MLF split off and did their thing, when everyone was running nitros would like all the same crap, I think that that was more of an even playing field and cool aspect, because it really comes down to the individual versus whoever's way better at rigging their boat is now gonna be like, you made a mothership or the Death Star that's gonna destroy everyone else. Like, okay, like that's what I, like, I don't know. So it's, that's kind of like my my two cents on it. Um, and it's it's nuts, man. Like it, it the fact that Kyoya was able to see when we were out on Champlain, I was fishing right around him the entire time. Like I was on the same winning fish that he was, but he was able to see with two transducers more than what Johnny and I were seeing when we were in the same area, you know, Micah Frazier was in the same area. He, you know, so it's, it's, it was, this is why I'm like, we need to ask the question, is that fair? And I think anyone with a logical mindset will say no, because having two of one thing at two different distances for clarity and whatnot, like, and then also having one on your back uh, transom where you can look back on a certain, you know, and flip back to something that's 50 yards behind your your port side and your your trolling motor is still looking forward. Like, how is that fair? You know, how is that any different than running a 250 versus a 300? So that's, oh, that was a heavy rant thanks for hanging on with that one, guys.. Oh, geez. I, I think that it it's what's your two cents? I'm actually curious. I'm curious on what you because you I feel I, like you've you've seen both sides of it now, right? so i've I've seen both sides of it. I've heard both sides of it.
0: I'm honestly feel like there is no right decision. Like literally, no matter what is decided, yeah, there is a huge percentage of people that are going to walk away saying that decision sucked yep, and 100%. and that's both pro. Yeah. and con of it um yep. i i feel like I, I don't know i mean there there's it depends on the day with me literally like it yeah, yeah, literally yeah. Oh, like I, the, I mean even when you're talking i'm like there's times where i'm like well yeah no that totally makes sense and then there's other times where i'm like yeah but that's somebody investing their time
2: yeah
0: into getting better at that they yeah. they put all their Like, I think that's a lot of what we saw this year. There was anglers that literally were all of that. That's what they did every time when it worked, they did great. When it didn't work, they didn't do great. Um, I think some of the anglers that hurt themselves were the ones that tried to straddle both because I think it's an incredibly tough thing to do. So there's part of me that thinks that. (sighs) It, it, sucks a lot of the excitement out of the sport in, mm. in many, many ways because because there's so many moments in my head that, that made me fall in love with this sport 100%. and 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 none of those moments happened on a graph. You know no. what I mean? So so as, as exciting as that is, th- th- so there's that part of me. But then there's the other part of me that like and it's not, not just my opinion. You ask a Rick Klund. Rick Klund yeah. says anything that gives us information about the fish to stop that is it's crazy. an offense to the sport and crazy. Yeah. So yeah. kind of agree with them there. I literally don't know what the right decision to make is. And just by us having the conversation, there's going to be a bunch of people that are like, you idiots. It's so simple. Just cancel yeah. it and get rid of this. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's not right. I, it's- I don't know that it's it's that simple because, yeah. because I also think we're taking like the last few tournaments are the worst case scenario. Because, for example, it won Okeechobee. I didn't find it offensive at Okeechobee because there was one dude doing it to me. It was a whole different. I was like, this is interesting. He's got a different total approach than everybody. And then in one screen over, I'm watching Steve Kennedy catch eight pounders on a frog, which, which is what made me fall in love with bass fishing. So I'm I'm like, so yeah, I I don't know what the right thing to do is. I think that it's, it's going to be one of those things that we're never going to agree. I mean, people are just literally, but here's the one thing that I will say. Yeah if you hate it and you've never used it, you you know what I mean? Like there's a yeah, lot of right. people that like, I think it's just become this. I hate it. You know, I don't know why I hate it, but it's because
2: it's like, you I know, just mean, like hate it. Was it like, oh. what is it, like the, the angry mob in South park? Oh, it's just wild.
0: Um, And, and I think that block has some points. I mean, 100%. he definitely has some points. And if you don't th- like, I mean, I've had Randy on the show a few times. I mean, I should have him on soon again, I'm sure, sure. to to have this conversation. But, like, the the natural instinct and the ability, like, in your head. And trust me, I I use it. I go fishing, and I've used it and and had great success with it, and it's fun. I mean, there is a fun element to it. Oh, here he comes. He's swimming. I got him. That's exciting. Yeah. But none of it is like when you're just throwing – for your example, a glide bait and you're just literally in, Whoa, it happens. Yeah. The, the shark attacks the seal. I yeah. mean, to, to me, that's, that's so, yeah, cool. I, 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 I don't know. I, I know no matter what I say, I'm going to piss somebody off. And oh, for sure. I think probably and... not make anyone real happy.
2: <laughs> I mean, you nailed it, man. I, I, that's why I'm, I, I try, I try to, I try to say that in, in the way that I was describing what, I, cause it's, it's, there's no there's no easy decision that bass has right now no um, but it, there's it's tough because it's a double edged sword uh again i'm i i'm conflicted and so yeah it's tough because i see i now i see both sides um you know a little bit better than before i was really against it 100% and i think that was because i didn't understand it and i didn't have it on my boat yeah. and and i didn't also have the money to go out and buy it so i was like this is and 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 that's a part of the issue too right because fishing should be something that everyone could be should be able to enjoy and fishing should be that excitement that all got us addicted to the sport in the first place and so yeah it's it, well, it's I- a yeah. To
0: play devil's advocate to that, fishing tournament fishing has never been that and hasn't yeah. been that for many, many years. I mean, yeah, not nothing like
2: 2D, has... 2D, right? So, yeah. like, 2D dropping. You're still looking at a screen, so what's the, any difference of staring down at a 2D versus scoping them? So, what are you going to do? Are going to cancel 2D? I, I, I don't... I, so, that's what I say. Like, I mean... It's, t- it's, it's tough.
0: And here's the weird thing. I think that the group that has the least amount of choice or anything in it is you guys the Mm. anglers like i mean to me whatever the decision is guys are going to compete whether it's let them rip and guys will show up with satellite dishes on their outboards and lord knows what um guys will still fish if they say this is limited guys will still fish if they say that it, it is gone guys yeah. will still fish. Some For of sure. them will be happy, some of them will be sad. But to me the most important group that needs to really believe in this is the viewers because 100%. without the viewers and and I get it. Yeah, baskets money from some graph companies every tournament organization does. Yeah. We get money from a lot of different companies. And and yep. it's the responsibility of the sport to protect it. So again, yep. and that just me saying that here's the weird thing. Nothing you can say, dude can't be just <laughs> yeah. be saying that somebody will make a video and be like, you see Mercer said that this, Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, yeah, It's, I mean, Swindle did a poll that was yeah. as simple as him just saying, do you want to watch this or not? And he yeah, gave it yeah. and people are like, well, obviously Swindle doesn't like it and he
2: had a tough season and that's why it is
0: like, none of that was said. It was, yeah. liter- but and he's he- like, like
2: this, he even premised it when he came out with it. He's like, man, I got it on my boat da. Like, but this is also frustrating to me is is because this is something that I've been talking about on live for the past two years and that it took Gerald Swindle to come out with a post and like to do a poll for people to like, oh, oh, maybe we should pay attention to this. It's like, like, oh! No, but it definitely
0: seemed to like, it. it, trust me, behind the scenes it's been something I've talked about a lot for well over a year, you know, and said that this is you could feel the snowball building and getting bigger and more momentum and more. And then I remember coming in this season, it was like, how many is it's going to win? And then it wins, you know, Okeechobee. And they're like, yeah, well, it's not going to do that. The next one. And it won the next, you know what I mean? And, but it just definitely seems like in the last month it yeah. has become, why do you think that it exploded the way it did? Like, you think it was just a perfect I, storm of events?
2: I think it is. I mean, like I think you nailed it with it being the last two events being forward facing sonar, like premised events, and then for them to actually be one on forward facing sonar. I think that that gave it a uh a, a the premise was there. I don't want to watch this. It goes out. This is what it was. I'm sure their viewership dropped, but I don't know like how much it did. Maybe it didn't you know and maybe that's just like that's just rumor or what whatever because there's a lot of like there's a lot of unknowns right when it comes to stats on viewership and whatnot it's like what the people think there's a lot of people that are just making those comments that i don't want to watch that stuff and other people are like oh i actually enjoy like learning but yeah it comes down like you said it comes down to the viewers because without a fan base you don't have a sport yeah I mean, yeah, yeah. as a competitor, people are still at like, you know, the club level, people go out and fish because everyone's competitive and they want to win money. So that won't go away. But on the highest level, on a professional end, you need viewership to be able to justify marketing dollars and et cetera. So it makes sense that you listen to what the viewers want, but then you there's it's a hard way to gather all the metrics, because yeah of course it's just it's just either way like you said it's an extremely tough decision i'm like i it, you could have nailed it any more perfect saying like on a day-to-day because there's certain days where i'm just like bro this sucks i don't want it at all and then other days where i'm like oh yeah this is great i think i'm i'm, I'm actually okay with it like the last <laughs> two of them, i'm like oh yeah no we're good <laughs> you know <laughs> like, oh, cash checks and i re with it you know and it's it's not my game that's not, the, and then that's the thing. It wasn't my game. Like Man. I'm not, I'm not a forward-facing sonar dude, and I freaking requalified because of it. But you, but, but. You, here's here's the difference. <laughs> There's
0: a but to that. Yes, yeah. and 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 yeah. you know that people are going to say that just even from hearing the story that you've shared here.
2: Yeah,
0: i have not yet to to. I've yet to find a bad a tough an angler that's not very good get yeah. great with forward facing sonar an angler that isn't very good becomes a little better with forward facing sonar yeah. a great angler becomes greater with it you know it, it, like to me the the you still have to understand what you're seeing you still have to you know know exactly how to make that fish react you have to know how to take what you saw on the screen yeah. and make adjustments to make it work so i, I mean the, that is the other crap yeah. thing like nobody it's, if you could yeah. just buy your way to the top right.
2: yeah go ahead try you can try to yeah. buy your way up to the elites it's not gonna work i mean it's and people think that too and it's pretty sad because i'm like okay well have you tried it yet? And they're like well no and you're like well okay good luck <laughs> but i mean but then also to to contradict myself like sabine i didn't use it like i i on i had it on mm-hmm. but i wasn't saying if you if you go back and you look at I was using it more so, so I'm not, so I wouldn't blow my trolling motor off my boat. But besides that, I was just, I was sight casting every single thing, you know, like I was. That was like really what I enjoyed doing. That was like how I want on the Wachita River, being able to sight cast around like laydowns, and yeah. that's, and then to almost be able to win doing something like that. So like, there's, I think now finding a way to balance both. And I think you know, to your point, the people that try to balance both. Um, it's an inc- it's it's incredibly difficult because you'll have both sides of your mind try to pull you in different places. So you'll have one side that's like, you should go offshore and check it out and just see and how much time do you want to allocate there. And then if you catch them, how much more time do you want to allocate there? And is that the winning deal? Or the other side, go shallow, screw those offshore fish. Everyone's outside scoping. There's going to be a bunch of fish up, up shallow because of X, Y, and Z conditions. And this is the time of year. And then you go up shallow and you catch a couple and you're like, wait, are they out? Are they offshore? No, no, no. Keep going shallow. And so it's like being able to balance both of those, those, those voices and then to be able to come together and be like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'll go offshore for the first two hours, see how she shakes out. If they're not biting, I'm going to go to the bank and I'm going to go do that. And so I think that's kind of what I'm going to try to adopt going into the year three is like knowing when to silence that one side and then listen to the other. And then more so going back to what Pebble said originally, just fish the day, man and i think that there're certain things that will transcend time regardless of the electronics is fishing the day fishing the conditions fishing intuition will never be trumped by anything else and and i i'm a, i'm a true believer in, in in that because bass just like humans we change sometimes on the hour and without making certain changes to certain like subtle subtleties you know you'll never be able to fully figure it out and and until you you know put time on the water be able to understand then you can start to getting it a little bit more i don't know it's kind of a hard thing to to to, to describe but yeah.
0: I, yeah dude it's all over the place like my mind goes nuts with it like while you're saying that i'm like well nothing will ever outsmart and i'm like well <laughs> i saw some people catch fish that they didn't even feel hit like yeah, they literally yeah. just visually i mean i've Uh, got one and start reeling so there's that's that's and welcher said something on last week's podcast and and the way he said it really made me think and it it's kind of worrisome okay but he's like the one thing that we figured out a long time ago your percentage of catching a bass goes way up if you're casting at a bass and as simple as that sounds true when Not you really think about it, I my concern is like a long-term concern, like, dude, you fish that and you don't want to even drop your lure when you don't see one. Yeah. You know what I mean? That like it yeah. changes, it's kind of and like similar to the Alabama rig. You ever go catch them on the Alabama rig, dude? You want to throw everything else out. Like, literally, you go catch them and you're like, I caught three at once. This was wonderful. <laughs> Why do yeah. I want to throw a crankbait? This sucks. <laughs> yeah. Little thing.
2: So there is. It's wild, it's wild, but I mean, it's a topic that you could literally talk. Oh, about. we could go on for hours with and I, I yeah, I think that you getting sick of talking think, about it, huh? Are you getting sick of talking about it? Uh, I think right now it's just such a, such a trending thing. Man. Like, I, I can't get away from what people were saying because I'm like, I'm part of the, yeah the thing. And so people are like, well, how do you feel about it? What do you? I'm like, dude, I'm torn, man. Like, I'm, like I said, I got on, I qualified without it. I had a black and white freaking graph on my console and a small little dealio on the front that was like from 2008. And all I would use that for was my temperature and then the depth. Like I, I didn't, I didn't have side scan. I didn't, you know, I didn't under, like I had to learn side scan. I had to learn forward-facing and all this stuff. And then now after these past two years of learning all this stuff and now how to apply it and, and to kind of change the way that I approach certain things, I'm like, okay, well we got, we all, we, we, I got all the way here now. So if you're going to throw another wrench in it, well, what, however it goes, you know, I'm like, I'm along for the ride at this point. So yeah, it's, it's crazy, man. It really is. I I am getting, I just, I, I do feel for the people at Bass that do have to make a decision. Um, and I, I think that, you know, ultimately I think we need to start doing as an organization. I think we need to start highlighting individuals more. Um, making it more about the angler, um, you know, less about the 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 items that we're trying to sell. Because ultimately, if we sell, if we're able to showcase a uh, personality, back background stories and hardships, that's going to draw in more viewership because people are going to want. They're going to naturally. Oh yeah, they connect to you grow empathy with those stories and those individuals than just shooting up not only viewership but then sustained sustained viewership and um yeah and i and i think if we're, if there's a way to do that and i think there's a way we can actually do that on on live in the mix and and uh not nothing against Bowman love love you Bowman but like there's other things that we can be doing that will engage people on different demographics um, that will that will transfer into sustained meaningful viewership and so I think that there's there's ways not to I don't think the answer is like well then put up the forward-facing sonar screen next to it it's like no dude I don't want to watch a screen on on a screen like that's not like my answer to that is so we're we're
0: now watching screens that yeah so it's like I
2: don't like I get I go out fishing to get away from this thing or to get you know, but then I end up using the thing. But then I don't want to watch someone playing the thing. I don't want to watch someone play a video game while seeing the video. Like, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, if you go Comic Con and that's the thing that you're into, go 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 to that. That's fine. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, but I don't think it I don't think it's gonna transfer into meaningful viewership. And I don't think you're gonna grow the sport by doing that. I think that you're gonna grow the sport by engaging in like what got these kids into fishing in the first place. Like who was the person who got Polonik into bass fishing? You know, who, like who got him into comp- wanting to compete? What were the things that like he went through? What are the the trials and tribulations that Carl went through to get here? What, how, like, what are the feelings and emotions that he went through when he got kicked off of FLW and the things that he had to like... He got to... kicked
0: off the elites just to correct you. Uh, oh, was it? Yeah, he went to FLW I'm... after we kicked him out and then oh, he geez, made so... it back here. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Carl. <laughs> I let it slide
2: I... the first time, but I was like, yeah, he said yeah. it twice. I have to defend him. Yeah, well, no, correct me because I'm, I'm horrible with details, but like Carl... Yeah, like I'm sorry. Yeah. No, but
0: but that is, I think, what Bass's biggest advantage in this thing from the start has been. Bass is great at telling that story. You yeah. know, it feels like again, forward facing sonar feels like it's pulling from that story. You know yeah. what I mean? Because now there's a group of people out there that do, doesn't even care what state country you're from or what you're but if you use that, they don't like you exactly. Like it it's and if you don't use that that you know it's uh it's, it's crazy tough.
2: it's really wild. Yeah, it's, it's wild it's a, it's a wild one man
0: okay, let's go in a whole other direction here let's okay. we we spent way too much time on forward <laughs> yeah, facing like, sonar um yeah. you competitively competed in surfing and uh, you said earlier in uh free diving correct
2: yeah i I've done. I did more competitive surfing than I did in um, spearfishing. I did like just a couple of spearfishing events. Um, and then I also played hockey and that was like a huge part of my life. This is like, the weirdest. Huh? Like, yeah, yeah. Dude, I, love, I love hockey, like ho- <laughs> I was that. And then also competitive paintball, but I, I've always been like a competitive person, but so growing up right in Hawaii, it's like, what do you, what do you do? You'll be surprised how many people that don't go to the beach like a lot of my classmates just aren't ocean goers. You don't have people that if, if, if being it's a just there person, all the time, it, it, it is. And it's just like a, another part of your everyday life. And some people Man. play in it and they, they know they have a respect respectful sp- space and relationship with it, or they're completely feared, uh, completely fear it. And, and for me, my, my family, my, my dad would play in it, but then also had this very respectful fear of it. Um, And, and I didn't have any surfers in my, in my family. But then my uncle, my, my, my dad's sister's husband was like, hey Matt, I'm gonna take you out on a, on a boogie board and push you in a wave when you're like five. And I remember the feeling of rushing down the face and getting that like, and boom, addicted. And so I, I then really started gravitating towards the water and, and being, and then from there surfing started taking off a little bit, but always wanted to be in sports. The Mighty Ducks came out in the 90s, right? And I was like, "Whoa, Gordon Bombay and like da, 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 da knuckle puck time and like r- skating around like the streets, you know, with my 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 neighborhood friends, crushing cans as pucks and using crappy KB toy hockey sticks." And so like the fa- like, and then when I had an opportunity in middle school to start playing roller. I fell in love with it because I was like, okay, I can be more physical than soccer because everyone grows up in Hawaii playing soccer. I played soccer for like seven years, AYSO as a kid. And then when I, and then I started playing, when I was able to start playing hockey, I played one season of hockey and I tried to go back to soccer and I was started getting cards up the wazoo and I'm like, <laughs> I can't play soccer anymore. I'm out. I'm a, I'm all in hockey. And I dedicated my life to hockey. I started, I started refing it. I started, uh, I, I got on travel teams. Um, and my dream was to play on the NHL. and this guy named Jeff Clark, who's from Boston, came over to do uh, he came over to do a, a like um a, a, what is it like clinics and whatnot. Yeah, and I told him, and, he, and we became friends and he's like, he's like, dude, I I was fourteen or fifteen at the time, and he goes, "I don't want to crush your dreams." <laughs> but the chances of you making it to the NHL and if you don't leave the island, are slim to none and i'm like well you just crushed my dreams (laughs) like instantly i was that was like the first thing that popped in my mind because i was like heartbroken because i was like what i wanted to do like watching steve eizerman and all the guys in you know the like the russian five or whatever you know playing for the the red wings and i was so addicted to the sport i'm like man he's right like what am i gonna do like i don't so I, i kept playing a little bit but then of fell away from it and i was like well surfing's in our backyard surfing is like how a lot of people get put on the map out of hawaii it's either music or surfing you know and then acting and so that kind of stuff started to filter in playing music started to filter in but then the whole time this was all going on fishing was always just that underlying current that just kept it all together for me when like i would have like a crappy gig or whatever i'd still go dive or go go whipping for you know, short or go go to the lake. Or like let's say I had a horrible tournament on a playing hockey. I'll just go back to the lake, go catch a couple of peacock bass and be like, oh yeah, whatever. Or, you know, and and so on and so forth. I I was able to always keep that near and dear to me while other things kind of came into my life and then like moved out of it. So it yeah. I I think I'm I'm a competitive person, but I've also learned to let go, too, and I think it, that's a part, uh, an important part that I had to come to because I was so competitive as a young adult. Yeah. And and I think that when you when you're so competitive, that not only is it, it hurts, it's not good for your mental space because your your ego now you don't know how to regulate your ego, um, but then you also hurt people around you because then you are unnecessarily competitive with people that care about you and then may not be competitive so like I I learned that in like a couple different relationships from like why am I being competitive <laughs> like what I don't need to be and so I think it's like finding that healthy balance where does competition lie where where does that space that you can be competitive and where everything's on the line and like you're putting your blood sweat and tears into it and then where's the other space where you can let like, go to it and I think now being in my 30s, I've found like I found this balance of like, oh, OK, now we're good. Or, yeah, no, it's not worth the win to deal with that or guess 100 percent. I'm putting my foot down for this and then to be able to step away from it and be like, yeah, let's go get some ice cream. I don't care what's going on, you know. And no, I'm not going to like be competitive racing you to the sidewalk because I got there first.
0: <laughs> I think but I think that's a real healthy competitiveness is something and this might sound wrong but i i think that the male persuasion especially all full of testosterone yeah. it's too like you're always competitive but you can't like to be the level of competitive that you're in your early 20s it's very hard to sustain to keep that going because it's gonna wreck yeah. you know what i mean like yeah. it works yeah in short bursts so it works yeah. in other sports for short bursts but yeah the sport of fishing it's so long and it's so extended <laughs> i think that it's the balance becomes even more important that's why look at baseball yeah i mean to do you can have a lot going wrong in baseball in your life a mm. lot of noise in your head mm. and a lot of baseball players will say but when i step to bat all that goes away and mm. i just focus on Fishing, you can't, I think, because it's oh. so long. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the competition hours, your ability, like it's it's just a different kind of
2: beast, I think. Oh, it's a whole different beast. That's why there's no other sport like fishing. It's, you can be a pro and be in your 70s. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't want to say the wrong um, age of Rick Clunn because I don't want Uncle Ricky coming after me, but. 77. 77. Se- to are my point exactly to have and to have someone that has so much knowledge and the ability like that guy is just like full of wisdom. I would love to just like sit down oh. and just ah uh, just have a coffee or a beer with whatever you know and just to just to listen. And I, I remember so he helped me get to my boat on 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 uh, on the Saint Lawrence and he had a he had a buoy like a bump like a bump rail buoy on his seat and I'm looking at that. I'm like, what is, like, is he using that to throw over the side and then that's just where he's storing it. I'm like, Hey, Ed, what's up with the buoy? He's like, your butt shouldn't be lower than your knees when you're sitting, especially, <laughs> you know, when using the hot foot, because that's just bad and compact, uh, uh, like impacting your lower vertebrae, etc. And so I'm like, bing, like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to do that next year. Like literally I'm going to go and get, a buoy, a buoy and i'm going to sit on a buoy because i want to be able to ride up a little bit higher and then when you're getting slammed like when you're going through like rough stuff you're not just going to absolutely destroy your lower back and so it's like those little tips from someone who's such a veteran of the sport i was like so much respect for it. it's like, it's like whenever he speaks it's like a prophet speaking i'm like oh, oh. Yeah. like uh oh. <laughs> give me your wisdom <laughs> you know um, it's it's wild yeah He's- it's it's pretty cool. incredible I think the uh, more so the ability to accept failure and I think this is something I, I I like to keep bringing up is and it's something that's helped me it's it's the when you accept failure and the way that you take a loss um is that's where the true competitor comes out because the ability to what you do when you lose, how you accept it, and then how do you move on from it and grow from it is way, way, way more of like a loaded. Um, just a, a way more loaded thing to have to deal with than a win, because a win is the easiest thing. You just take it on, absorb everything. It's just all this positivity and all this like praise and it's easy. But the hardest thing is how do you how do you get past the lose and how do you not just carry that with you? And yeah. so I think like, that's the, that's the thing. It's like, how do you like a true winner? And that's what I like to say is a like, true winner is someone is not how they take their wins. It's how they take their losses. And that's how I, I, that's how I like to measure a true winner, but that's just wow. a, a is yeah. A long <laughs> <laughs> uh, Was
0: them. that another idea? An exit idea. I'll, I'll just write a book of long Yeah.
2: There's a Wongisms. isms. It'd be a great coffee table book. <laughs> like two wongs don't make a right but three might <laughs> uh, no
0: dude I, I um i think you're a valuable part of the elite series and, and I, I think what you went through um it's just a chapter you know what i mean i think they're all just chapters and and uh um you know obviously i hope next year goes super smooth and you don't ever have to feel that stress again but Like I said at the beginning, it's the sport of fishing. There's going to be stress, whether it's for I got to get in that last classic spot. I got to win angler of the year, got to win rookie of the year, got to requalify all of those um, things. Here's my last question, because because I honestly we've talked about Carl, we've talked about you. We've talked about so many different people coming from so many different walks of life. But I believe for whatever reason, and it's not just the person that introduces it to you, but people that are in this industry, fishing people. And mm-hmm. it, it, it doesn't have to be elite series. Mm-hmm. It could be a guide. It could be a commercial angler in Hawaii. It could be anything, mm-hmm. but fishing's like a thing that's in you. Like, I think it's, we just all come equipped. Like, and all I can go back to is it's like your forefathers had, and some, and it's the same thing in hunting. There's a, you know, there's people that, that they have that in them. Mm-hmm. Is that something you have in you? Hundred percent, yeah,
2: hundred percent. Without without a a drop of doubt, um, it. My dad was the first one to take me fishing. Um, I was like barely able to walk, and I still have a memory of holding on to his pant leg with one hand, gripping it for my life at the bank of a soft little pond and then the other hand like not trying to fall in and then my other hand on a bamboo pole catching tilapia wow and those are some of the most purest forms of joy that i ever experienced in my life and i was like literally two or three years old and and i'll never forget that because the excitement of getting the bite and then feeling the rod bend and whoa, you know, and then, and, and then to bring it in and to see this, this creature that now that's out of its element. And then to be able to like, Oh man, I would, I, I, we put a, a inflatable, a, like an inflatable pool in the front yard. And I remember I would bring fish home and after taking a, a, a bath to go to sleep at night, I would go and like sneak out real fast and then just like play with the fish that were, you know, or we always had, we always had fish tanks growing up because i always needed a water like a water element i think it's more so for me it's being a fisherman the hunter uh however you want to you know string it to the the lineage of of being an outdoorsman but for me it's like water is something that's like uh, always a centering centering um and that's why i think being a waterman um and, and and that's as an identity, like I'm a surfer, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a diver. I'm, I'm, I'm a fisherman. All these things that are centered around water is always something that like, as soon as you take water away from me, that's when I'm going to shrivel up and die. And, um, and I think that our fellow anglers, regardless of where you are in the world, I think that if you think, no, I'm just like, I'm an angler. It's like, no, man, I think you have a connection with water and being on it being around it is there's something that we all kind of come together i think being what i forgot i don't again i'm bad on details but the amount of percentage of water that's in our bodies there's something that goes on that we cannot understand you know on a mental level on our connection to it yeah. um it's, it's greater than us and uh it's something that i i will always find um, relaxation and tranquility but then also having healthy respect and fear for because I've seen all faces of water and uh, one of my favorite you know it's one of my favorite quotes by the great one Bruce Lee you know water can flow water yeah. can crash you know you water Be water you know you put water into a teacup it becomes a teacup Be water my friend
0: so. I think there's no better way to finish this than that right there. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I think I might even call it Be Water, my friend. That, I mm-hmm. mean, I, it seems like a, a good name for this. But, dude, yeah, I like it. I'm excited to have you on the Elite Series for another year, and, and I'm predicting many more years after that. And, uh, hey, I will tune into your fishing show when it comes out, because I'm sure it'll oh, be a man. good one. But, well, yeah. but, but I hope we keep delaying that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you know, it's I'll keep it on the back burner as long as we can uh, keep on this ride, man. And, you know, if um, however I can merge the paths, um, I'll still be able I'll still be doing my YouTube show. So um, that's something that if you guys haven't subscribed yet and you want to hook me up, please give me a subscribe, hit the notifications, all the good jazz. I try to put out one every single Monday and um, I try to I try to give an unadulterated version of the elite series through my eyes and what you go through on a day-to-day so not all of it is tournament stuff you'll also find i'm going to be editing a, a an adventure that i had with one of my good friends um we're catching a bunch of mahi and i actually catch a big old 30 pound ono or wahoo um nice so it's uh again tapping into the multi-species thing different adventures um tackle tips all kinds of stuff so um go ahead and check me out there. So, all right. You know, like I said, a little plug. <laughs> and, and I will make sure to put a link in
0: the description and uh, in the comments, the one and only Maddie Wong. I thank you for your time, your honesty and uh, your insightfulness.
2: Well, thanks, Dave. I always enjoy talking with you and it's a pleasure and uh, you know, I I'm looking forward to being able to share the stage with you again, this next coming year, man. Be water, my friend. Be water. water.
0: (laughs) Great stuff, as always, from Matty Wong. I thank him for his openness, his honesty, and, as always, his positivity. But that's not all. We got more. Logan Parks, a Bassmaster Open EQ angler, currently sitting in 15th place, top nine, make it to the Elite Series. He's got three events left to go. But college and high school fishing are a big thing. A lot of people talking about them. He is a big recipient of that. The benefit of that. And he has not forgotten that. So let's join him right now. Logan Parks. Logan Parks. So basically um, you want a really big tournament, want a whole bunch of money and fishing tournaments. Wasn't good enough for you anymore. You're running a tournament.
1: Yes, Dave, I'm putting on a tournament this fall. Um, As you know, High school and college fishing is something I'm very passionate about. I uh, grew up through high school fishing, through Bassmaster, and college fishing as well at Auburn University. And uh, trying to create a way to give back to uh, the sport of high school and college fishing and create new opportunities for those anglers. Right away,
0: you're so different than me. Like, if I won that kind of money, I would have just, well, I would have disappeared somewhere or shown up in a bad way somewhere else why are you i mean it's easy to say you want to give back but but why is it so important to you to do this now
1: i think because i was in their their shoes not too long ago and i'm still you know on the like on the road to qualifying to where i want to be as a you know a legit professional angler on the bassmaster elite series i'm not there yet but I know how difficult this road has been for me, especially like financially. And um, I know there's a lot of really good high school anglers out there that maybe can't afford to go to college and a lot of college anglers that can't really afford to fish the opens, you know, straight out of college. So I kind of want to create this opportunity um, for high school and college anglers to, you know, fish for scholarships and big payouts that, something they don't really get to do. I mean, they get to fish for some awesome stuff, but in the end, you know, you need some some money to help pay for school or those entry fees. And I hope that through this, they can do that.
0: So how does this tournament, other than the obvious, I mean, it involves both high school and collegiate anglers, which I think is pretty cool because, you know, one's in the spot, the other one wants to get to. And, you know, it kind of like, in a, but why is this one different?
1: The format is is super unique. As you mentioned, it's a high school and a college angler together as a two person team, which I think is awesome because I just kind of got thrown into college fishing and, you know, didn't know what I was doing. First term is Toledo Bend. There's trees sticking up out of the water everywhere. It's my first college event. And um, so this is a great way to kind of bridge the gap between high school and college fishing and start introducing those high school anglers to those college coaches and college presidents and teams. Um, it's a good way for colleges to recruit and high school anglers to showcase their skills to those, those colleges that they may not otherwise have an opportunity to do so besides social media, you know, just reaching out. Um, so that's one avenue, but also the format is super unique. Um, it's going to be a kind of a bracket style tournament day. Um, it's kind of complicated. I'm not going to try to confuse you too much about it, but basically we're going to split off the groups throughout the day. It's going to be a total, uh, total weight. Every fish counts format where they can submit their catches through the fish and chaos app. We're using tournaments, certified scales. All the anglers will have the same scales. We'll have guidelines of how they're supposed to take the pictures of the fish on the scales and uh, the high school and college guy will work together as a team to build their total weight. And uh, hopefully take home the big, you know, prize at the end of the day, we're going to be giving away almost uh, $45,000 in total scholarships and cash prizes. So it's going to be an awesome opportunity for these guys. And uh, I think it's going to be a little bit higher stakes than they typically get to fish for. So outside of the stakes, the big
0: thing that you mentioned that seems exciting to me, if I'm in that situation is recruitment. Um, obviously Abu is a sponsor of this. Abu is also a big sponsor of the combine, um, which is pretty cool that a company's putting that kind of push behind collegiate anglers and in, in helping people get there. But how can they get recruited? What realistic opportunities are out there through your tournament?
1: So there's a few different opportunities. We've got some of the top colleges in the nation participating, Montevallo, Auburn, Carson Newman's assistant coach will be there scouting. I mean, those are the top three school of the year teams last year right there. And I think we've got a little bit over – 12 or 14 different colleges signed up so far hope to have more um by the time that registration is ended but uh are the coaches will actually be there and they actually give scholarships to high school anglers to come and fish for their programs so you know these high school kids can come and fish and if they do well um and they get noticed and introduce themselves to these coaches they may end up getting maybe even a full ride out of it um i've actually got a scholarship at Auburn University that I started, you know, with some of the winnings from that tournament. And the Auburn team will be there, and they might be deciding who gets that scholarship for next season. So it's uh, it's going to be a great opportunity to uh for these high school guys and for the college guys to kind of pick the top high school guys in the country and really go after those guys. It's crazy that the sport is just growing so much, you know. When I was getting into it, there was a few schools that offer scholarships, and now there's like 25. So it's awesome to see. Wow,
0: there's that many schools that are offering scholarships.
1: Yeah, it's it's nuts, man. They're uh, they even got sports agents out there for these high school kids these days. So, so it's pretty, it's pretty cool to see. And uh, it's, it's a fast growing sport, and I, I hope that this tournament will help continue to grow the sport and uh, create new opportunities for these young anglers. It really is amazing how quick it
0: continues to grow. Because I remember when literally the idea of a scholarship for fishing was literally a fantasy thing. And then you thought, okay, we're starting to hear about it, but it's two or three different colleges, universities that are doing this. It's not a number like 25. I mean, 25 schools doing it. And with that growing every year, I mean, this is realistic now where kids can get legit scholarships.
1: Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And uh, it's just the, uh, the small schools for the most part right now offering the scholarships you know, the scholarship at Auburn is one of the only D1 scholarships available for fishing, and I think it's just a matter of time before all of these schools start to realize that these kids are coming from across the country to fish for their program, and uh, I think that we'll see some exciting things in the next, you know, 10-15 years, and I hope that through this tournament we can, you know, kind of showcase how important that this sport is and the sport of high school and college fishing and and I know how how cool of an opportunity that it really is. You say we'll see
0: some exciting things in the next 15 years. Let, let's play Fantasyland. And if, what, where do you think it's going to be? I mean, because I don't think anybody, 10 years ago, you could have asked anybody in the industry, they wouldn't have guessed it would be where it is today. I mean, it's traveled so fast. Where do you think collegiate fishing is going to be 10, 15 years from now?
1: Who knows? I mean, it could become some kind of NCAA sanctioned sport you know I, I don't know how uh you know how that would work but um it would be really really cool to to get even more eyes on and i think that's kind of the one thing that you know we're we're kind of struggling with with bass fishing is just trying to get as many eyes on the sport as possible and while there are a lot there's a lot out there that aren't watching fishing so hopefully over the next 15 years you know we can work with awesome companies like you know Bassmaster, Abu Garcia obviously very much believes in the youth anglers, and if we continue to support the youth anglers, you know, they're going to grow up to become potential superstars one day and grow the sport even more. I think that's just what we got to focus on is creating new opportunities for as many people to participate in the sport as possible and, you know, get more eyes on it.
0: So, if I'm a high school angler, how do I go about becoming part of this? Do I need to find a collegiate partner or do they get paired? Is it a random draw? How does it
1: work? So, that's a, another cool format of the tournament. We're actually going to have a draft. So, oh, these cool. high school kids, yeah, these high school kids will come and fish for three days. They'll practice. They don't have to practice, but it's encouraged. Um, and they can just submit their fish like they would in the tournament throughout practice um using whatever skills they have and we're going to take their best total day weight and we're going to rank these high school kids 1 through 125 so practice will be November 8th through 10th which is a Wednesday Thursday Friday Saturday we're going to have off limits we're going to have our tournament meeting explain everything explain how the tournament day is going to work and we're actually going to have a draft where a somewhat random order of these college guys um picks their high school partner. They're actually going to draft their high school partner. So we're going to call it draft day and uh it's going to be super awesome. I think it'll be a it'll really encourage these high school guys to come out here and practice and you know, you don't want to get picked last. <laughs> it is like getting picked last in the PE basketball team or whatever, but um if you want to get involved, we're taking 125 uh, high school anglers and 125 college anglers. Right now we're at 100 total anglers and it's 50-50. So there's only, you know, about half, half the amount of spots left for both high school and college. If you want to register, you can go to the Fishing Chaos app or the website and sign up. It's the Logan Parks Fishing Foundation High School College Chaos Tournament. And if you want more information, you can check it out on my social media. I've got a detailed video explaining how the actual tournament day works. And you'll understand why it's called the Chaos Tournament because it's going to be pretty crazy. It sounds pretty cool
0: and it it sounds like a meaning where do you I mean nothing like this has ever existed before has it?
1: No I uh I was just sitting around kind of brainstorming with the guys at Fishing Chaos and I kind of came up with an idea of you know that I wanted to work with high school and college anglers you know a little bit more closely than I you know am and trying to figure out a way to do that and played around with the idea of a tournament. And I was like, well, I don't want to just create any tournament. So let's create the craziest, you know, tournament we've ever, we could ever think of. And that's what, I think that's what we did. And I I think it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Is there an entry fee to this? I assume there has to be, right?
1: Yeah. It's $150 a person. um, And that includes an $80 scale that you get to keep. Um, We're also going to be giving away some shirts and a lot of awesome prizes. So it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be well worth your money to come sign up and hopefully, you know, you get to win $15,000 is first place prize. So it's going to be awesome.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Well, um, t- moment of total honesty, we are jamming this interview in the middle of like you trying to leave for the opens, but dude, speaking of the opens, you're in a good spot. You came so close to making the elites. Before i think literally one spot out of making the elites well you're sitting in 15th top nine move on and how many events you got left
1: we've got uh three tournaments left and um i guess because kinta is in second he would be a yeah. double qualifier so i'm only 23 points back out of 10th place i, I mean that's really just one good tournament um so I, I feel good about it i mean we literally it's crazy we still have one third of our season left I mean, if yeah. you look at it that way and it's uh almost, it's already September. So, but it's going to come down to the wire. And I think whoever has the last good event is going to be the ones that get in. I mean, realistically 25th place and higher is still in it. So how has that whole,
0: whole experience been for you this year? I mean, because the EQs were something, I mean, to be honest, I think a lot of the industry was shocked that 175 people, signed up for it like i think the number people were throwing about is like if they get 100 that'll be good 175 anglers but it also feels like the whole opens in general took a step up you know what i mean just maybe and from the outside maybe that's just what it feels like to me but it just feels like there's a lot more pressure on everybody how has your experience been fishing the opens this year
1: Man, it's been uh, it's been mind blowing. I mean, I I feel like I've taken what I learned last year, and I came in seventh in points last year, and through double qualifying, they ended up taking six, so I was barely out of it. And I feel like I took what I learned last year, and I've improved a lot. I've been making better decisions all season long, and I was looking at the points after the fifth open. I was in twelfth place at that point, and I was averaging, I think it was a thirty-five point six place finish, and I looked at the points compared to last year and last year after the fifth open, John Sukup was leading with a 35.6 average. So it's crazy how good these guys are catching them. I think that the, that a huge number of EQ guys has really um, pushed. I mean, I think we've gotten a huge wave of talent come over from various platforms and fish with us this year. And now you've got young guys like Trey McKinney that are just, freaking whacking them and my roommate john garrett i mean he's been fishing opens for like five years um and he's got some really experienced opens anglers that are really catching them so competition's stiff man um i think it's just going to keep getting more and more difficult so uh need to catch them this year and go ahead and get in
0: yeah get that over with because uh it it, it doesn't look like it's getting any easier but thankfully to cool programs like what you're doing It does get easier. I mean, dude, you look at the collegiate fishing setup and, you know, obviously how far it's come in such a short period of time, it's come because people have done cool things. Like, I mean, I remember the day that Jeremy McKinnis said, we need to have a collegiate angler in the classic. And I've told the story over and over again, but I, I fought it. I was like, that is the worst idea. Just literally because I thought I'm always go back to the elite guys. You know what I mean? They do it for a living and everything but how wrong was I like literally made a decision like that. And from that day forth, I mean, legit stars of this sport have made the classic and, and gone on to great things. So I commend you for, for putting uh, putting the effort that you're putting into this tournament and uh, I'll put all the information in the, in the description. So hopefully people can get over there and uh, become part of your chaos.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Dave. Um, I really appreciate you having me on and then high school, college guys sign up before it's too late. Um, you do not want to miss out. It's going to be an awesome time.
0: Sounds good. And I look forward to seeing you on the Bassmaster elite series next year. Congratulations. If you're still listening, you made it. This podcast is almost at the end and I know it was a long one, but as I always say, you can't cut a good conversation short to just jam it into a a time slot. So um, I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, if you had to break it up into a few bits, that's fine too. I will make sure to leave all of the information for Matty Wong. Give him a follow. Obviously, Logan Parks, everything he's working on, I'll put all that stuff down below in the description and in the comments. And I thank you guys for tuning in each and every week. But before I go, one more time, I want to remind you, your fellow angler is not the enemy. Enjoy being, have a great week, and we'll see you next time, right? I really gotta go to the bathroom. Thanks for watching.
1: Please like, comment, and subscribe. Because Bob Cobb of the Bassmasters told you to. You hear?